articulated joints, posable limbs, and kung fu grips, oh my. Welcome back to another episode of Retcon, a podcast of assorted geekery. I'm Rick Marshall, and today we're talking toys. More specifically, we're talking action figure designer and sculptor Paul Harding, one of the industry's best and brightest. A prolific illustrator and sculptor, Harding has made a name for himself over the last decade or so, working on some of the most popular lines of action figures from the comic book world. Along with designing toys and collectibles based on just about every superhero and villain out there, Harding has also worked on a long list of projects for the movie, television, and music worlds. He even finds time to provide illustrations for the occasional comic or book cover. Basically, if you've got an action figure on your shelf that looks too good to part with, or one of those deluxe Blu-ray sets packaged in a collectible statue, there's a good chance you own something that Harding designed. We took a trip to Harding Studio located in upstate New York to learn more about the artistry of designing our favorite geekery. All right, so Paul, I know you started out as a traditional artist, print artist. How did you make the transition from that to uh, doing designing and sculpting? I was going to school at Syracuse for illustration, and I thought my career was going to go in that direction. Um, And as I was graduating from school, I got a job in New York City where I became a designer for multimedia-type work. Um, And that lasted about three years. And I lost my job just before 9-11, and I was literally two blocks away from the World Trade Center. So it was a stroke of luck that I lost my job and took me about six months to a year, but I taught myself how to sculpt and had some good industry ties that I had picked up in the meantime and, you know, went into traditional sculpture for toys. And then it was about six or seven years to when I picked up a program called ZBrush finally and started using digital software to sculpt. Prior to that, it was all physical? It was. It was uh, traditional sculpture. So I would start in clay And then I would mold it in silicone and cast in a hard toy wax is what we call it. I would use an old Hasbro recipe and I would mix it myself. Take me through the process here. Because I think it seems it's probably very foreign to a lot of people, the the process of designing an action figure. We we see what happens in comic books where it's just, you know, you, you draw and then you see what ends up on the page. But with action figures, there's so much more behind the scenes. What is the process like? Are you contacted by sort of a client to do these types of things? You send them designs. I would imagine in the past you might have done physical designs that you showed them. What is the process like now, sort of start to finish? Every project is different because I'm asked to do different characters each time, but generally it's a it's a different style of a character or different way that the character is depicted. So I would get contacted by the company like DC Comics or Hasbro or companies like that, and they would just ask me to do a certain character the way that character looks in TV, film, comics, video games or cartoons. There are occasions where I would design it myself. A lot of the times with some of my Marvel work, I would just design and sculpt the superhero the way I thought it should be. It seems like the process has changed, though, a lot for you. You used to do the traditional sculpting. Now it's everything seems very digital, especially the advent of things like 3D printing and such must have changed this entire process for you immensely. How have you sort of evolved in what you're doing? At first, I was adverse to switching from a traditional media to digital, but I started to realize that I could save a lot of time and I could do a lot more work if I picked up a digital method. And it has revolutionized the business because my work is client-based. So whatever a client needs, an art director 
I would give that to them. And when they ask for big sweeping changes, it's much easier for me now. When designing action figures, I'd imagine that a statue or something like that might be a lot easier than maybe a articulated figure. How, how do things like articulation affect you know, your thinking going into a, a project? Yeah, articulation has to be thought about a lot in advance. Whereas a statue can be a bit more artistic and you're sort of thinking about how to break up a statue for production and manufacturing, there would be less points where it would be cut up so it could be molded easier. But for an articulated action figure, there's an engineering side to that that I have to think about where each part has to move without interfering with another part. So it's all considered in advance. I work that in as I go. So you, if we're talking about anatomy, you would want, say, the human body to still look like a human body, but with 30 movable parts. So it takes the fun out of it a little bit, but it's a challenge. Looking around us here, uh, surrounded by comic books and, and action figures and things like that, it feels like definitely... On the side uh, of the room near his workspace, framed classic comics line the wall. Subject. The Punisher's first appearance in The Amazing Spider-Man 129 sits between various other Bronze and Silver Age comics... Just below a poster featuring a blown-up version of his design for a Thor action figure, magnified to the point where the figure's face takes on life-size detail. Nearly every flat surface in the studio is occupied by action figures of various sizes, some still in the box, others freestanding, along with other statues and collectibles, sometimes lined two or three deep on shelves or hung on the walls. One bookshelf is topped with a set of vinyl figures based on hip-hop musicians Chuck D and Flavor Flav, while a box set for the Spartacus television series a few shelves down features a gladiator scene designed by Harding. Well, I like to surround myself with older and, I guess, famous vintage comics because they're so colorful and they keep me inspired. And if I'm stuck in my studio for so long, I just like to see that kind of stuff. Basically, everything in my studio is my own work, except for just a couple things. But superheroes aren't necessarily my favorite thing. I would say science fiction is probably you know, where I would run to if I had, if I could. Do you have a particular piece that's been uh, maybe most challenging for you or a favorite piece, that type of thing that you've worked on over the years? It was a major challenge when I sculpted a Superman versus Brainiac statue. And it was a, a lot of separate parts. Superman was sort of suspended in the air, floating down and tearing the head off a Brainiac robot. On the floor in front of the <laughs> shelf is a chess set based on Neil Gaiman's acclaimed Sandman comic book series, also designed by Harding. In fact, just about every statue and figure in the room is based on one of his designs. Several packages with one of his latest projects, a Harley Quinn figure he created for the DC Comics Icons line, are even piled up on a table near the door. An elevated desk holds a wide digital drafting tablet with a high-res monitor just behind it. On the screen is a monstrous six-legged creature, an original creation of Harding's, rendered in three-dimensional detail. On a table nearby is the same kaiju-like creature in plastic form, an unpainted prototype he recently created with one of the additions to his studio, 3D printer. I've done so many action figures at this point. It is nice to throw some different things in there. Whether I'm working on a, a DVD or a Blu-ray box set with special items packed in like Game of Thrones complete series, you know, little uh, magnets would be put in. Anything to sort of spice it up. Chess sets, mugs, aliens, cookie jars. <laughs> Now, how, how many things do you think you've done over the years? What do you, what do you think is the tally of uh, that they, you're at these days? I, I haven't actually taken an account of it, but it would probably be a few hundred at this point, and probably almost a hundred just for DC Comics. It's got to be fun to flex some other creative muscles, too, when you're doing things like, uh, I see, Public Enemy statues up there, some 
hip-hop groups, uh, see some stuff from different TV shows around here, even see some uh, some Saturday Night Live <laughs> characters. So it's got to that's got to be kind of interesting to to approach it from a different perspective, not like uh, comic books or sci-fi. Or how do you sort of approach things like that that are based on maybe uh, real people? Well, you want to try to capture the essence of a of a character if it's a real person playing a character you don't just want to do a portrait of that person you want to make them out to be the character that they're trying to portray so it's a little it's it's fun and it's challenging and you know you just hope for the best and you hope that they like it in the end well uh, you, we talked a little bit about 3d printing sort of changing the game uh, for you uh, how does that affect things uh, you get sort of an, an immediate return i guess on, on some of the things you're you're designing 3d printing is it facilitates sort of better uh, communication with sort of the clients you, you take on and things like that yeah generally with digital sculpture and that includes 3d printing the client can have a final prototype much faster sculpting goes faster that's my job and then the 3d printing really only takes you know a, a day or a couple days and they have it immediately so instant gratification is something that we take for granted now but we wouldn't have it any other way well what are some of the uh, the latest uh, latest projects that we can look for of yours that are out there well i have a series from dc comics called icons that i've been working on and many different characters have come out so far batman and blue beetle Harley Quinn just came out, and I expect to see Green Lantern and Firestorm. In a nearby room, Paul's 3D printer hums as it begins crafting a prototype of a figure based on one of his own creations. Since we're doing the the initial layers of the base, mm-hmm. it takes a long time. So it's one giant piece for the base. So you'll see it come up, and it might take a minute or two, um, and then the whole the whole thing will lift up, and you'll see lasers dancing around like a little thunderstorm so the laser shoots through the bottom of that container inside there so here we go i will take the part out and i I dump it into this liquid, which basically um, eats away at the uncured resin that's left over on it. It's it's a gooey mess when you take it out. You put it in here, mix it around a little bit for you know 20 minutes, and then I do it again over here in this um, little vat of stuff I call yellow magic. What is this mess going on right here? This th- these are um, action figure packages that I just. I put together and then on the inside I taped um, uh, aluminum tape for reflection and then there's there's a bowl of water for some reason. Well, you put after you um, clean the part off, you throw it into the water and what happens when it's in the water is that the resin cures faster because it's submerged in water. And then you go you just put that on, you turn on the UV lights and the UV is what cures your your liquid resin. That's fascinating. I had no idea. Yeah. And this just, it, it promotes hardening. So, we, you know, I just, I leave that in there for, you know, half hour or something like that. That's fascinating. It's weird. Yes. <laughs> and that's how action figures are made. <laughs> and that's how. Yep. Yeah. 
That was illustrator and sculptor Paul Harding telling us about his work creating the action figures, statues, and other geekery we can't help but collect. You can see some of his work for yourself at hardingstudios.com and, of course, at your local comic and toy shops. This has been Retcon, a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Our producers are Patrick Garrett, Jessica Blaustein-Marshall, and Dave Hopper. I'm Rick Marshall. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.